Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Sorry about the slight But please join with us now. A few technical issues this morning, but there'll be no stopping us from here on in. Um, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by my Daily Mirror colleague, Chief Sports Writer Andy Dunn, uh, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Star, Jeremy Cross, and Matt Dunn, Football Aficionado of the Daily Express. M- good morning, guys. Nice to ha- have you with us. Absolutely plenty to discuss this week, isn't there, really? I don't think there's anything that kind of uh, drives the discussion, gets us quite as excited as a really good week for English clubs in the Champions League. And what two fantastic semi-final results for, for firstly Chelsea in Madrid, and then even better than that, Manchester City um, against PSG. We'll be having a look at that and their chances of completing the job. Um, surely, hopefully, they'll do, they'll do that. Could we be heading for another all English final in Istanbul this time? What a what a prospect that would be! Uh, what a turbulent week for Arsenal. Um, if if defeat to Everton wasn't bad enough, now um, uh, the man behind Spotify um, is uh, <laughs> who rewards all, all music artists with zero point zero 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 one for each play that they have. Is uh, trying to buy. Is trying to sort of spin even more this so he can buy Arsenal. And then we're going to have a look at the United Liverpool preview for this weekend as well. And we're going to finish on a recollection and pay homage to the week celebrating what was it 25 years can you believe that since Kevin Keegan's famous meltdown as Newcastle manager as uh, the two army surrendered the Premier League title we'll choose the guys um, and their favourite managerial rants but look let's start off last night with a with I thought what was a Champions League classic no wonder some of the big clubs want to kind of get more of these fixtures in the diary, but then without defeats, without the drama of last night, would it mean as much? Of course it wouldn't. Um, PSG won Manchester City two. Guys, I mean, I don't know what you think. Andy, perhaps let's start with you. Mm. Do you think that that was Manchester City's single best performance in the Champions League? Maybe only in the second 45 yeah. minutes under Pep Guardiola since Guardiola took charge. Uh, yeah, well, off the top of my head, it's hard to think of a better 45-minute performance, you know, certainly not the entire game. It, it, it is hard to think um, of one. That I'm sure there have been, there have been plenty of, of great performances away from home. Listen, City away from home are, are, are fantastic. Um, per se. So, um, yes, it, it was a great performance. I mean, it's strange, really. You know, when you look back on it, I mean, it was a it was a dominant second half from City. But when you look back on the whole game, you know, in, in the end, they won courtesy of two what you would call soft goals. You know, a cross that went straight in and a free kick that should never have got anywhere near. So, so in in, in that sense, it was odd. But what what you have to admire about them is that they is that they didn't appear to panic when when PSG. 
certainly through Neymar, were in control of that game. And I did like the way that Guardiola changed things in the second half. Mm. I think, you know, City couldn't, were struggling to get the ball in the first half. And that's because they weren't playing. Their usual game is obviously to have the full-backs push up and, and you know, Cancelo plays as a, an auxiliary midfielder normally. They didn't do that in the first half. They were a bit cautious. They're obviously wary of Mbappe and Di Maria and Neymar. And they didn't gain enough ball. But then... Then the second half, he was brave enough to, to to push Cancelo further forward. Walker got further forward on several occasions. And that meant that they got more of the ball. They dominated midfield, whereas PSG had dominated it. And that meant that PSG couldn't get the ball to Neymar and Mbappe, who hence, you know, um, were, were not were pretty much nowhere to be seen in that second half. So I think it says more about, um, I think it was a big statement from Guardiola in, in, in the, you know, he's, believe it or not, you know, you know, after all this time, I think probably, what, 10 years since he... He won one. Um, he's actually still learning and still learning with this city side in the Champions League. This city side is still, you know, learning in the Champions League, all, all the players. And, and as I say, they just showed incredible patience to actually, you know, not fold and to actually come back against the PSG side who in flashes were absolutely brilliant last night. So from that mm. sense, John, yes, it was pretty much, you know, uh, I mean, I hesitate to call a landmark performance because, you know, the, the, they may, they might get turned over at the Etihad. But it was certainly, you know, a mature performance, let's put it that way, when I think in the past they've been immature in the sense of Champions League contenders, and that was more a mature performance from them. Yeah. Je- Jezza, well, you were covering it last night as well. What did you, you know, what was your overall uh, take on it? Because it was, a, it, I mean, PSG was so good first half, weren't they? And I thought yeah. that game was absolutely terrific. Well, my overriding so much about City in the second half, didn't it? Yeah, look, it was any neutral watching that. It was some of the best football you'll ever see, really, from both mm. teams. Mm. Um, a fine, fine advert for the Champions League, and a reminder that actually the competition is just just okay as it is. Thank you. I mean, I know the group stages are obviously a bit limited and a bit uninteresting at times, but when you get to the knockout stage, and especially the latter round, like the semis, you know, you've got the cream of the crop going toe-to-toe, and that's what happened last night. You know, Neymar was fantastic in the first half. Um, so was Mbappe. You know, they really looked like they could run away with the game, and City were lucky, actually, to, to, to um, only be one down. Um, but then it, it changed, the whole game changed. And, you know, it was what we saw were two things, really. How flaky PSG are still capable of being, you know, like we've, they've been down the years. I know they got to the final last year and lost to Bayern Munich, but, you know, they have imploded in the past. And they did that last night. They finished with 10 men, um, rhyme with the referee. Neymar had vanished into the night, couldn't see him anywhere on the pitch. So that was... Um, a byproduct, really, of how strong City were in the second half. And it was a seminal moment, really, because, you know, in the past, City would have folded last night. And they have done in certain games against opponents when it's when it's when um, when the pressure's been on. But they didn't. They grew, actually. They grew in strength and confidence. And they got better as the game went on. And they could have actually run away with another goal or, or maybe two. So, you know, I think it was a landmark result. Um because they now have the belief that they can go on and win it and they're in, they're in pole position to get to the final at least. Mm. Matt, there's a method to the running order madness and I wanted mm. to come to you because I just, you know, I, I, I believe, I'll, I'll check this with you, that you're a fellow member of the Maurizio Pochettino fan club. I have mentioned you- in the past, <laughs> my, my <laughs> I didn't have for him. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, I do too. And, you know, I mean, blimey, I was lucky enough to sort of see him and pay homage last week on via Zoom. And, uh, and, and he was in brilliantly, typically brilliant form. And, um, do you do you <laughs> do you think this? <laughs> sorry, Andy. Explain to the listeners. I think there's this perception amongst northern journalists that all London or southern journalists completely love Maurizio Pochettino Exception. and think basically. He is the second coming. Yeah, it's too now, isn't it? Listen, listen, listen it, 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 it's, it's not a perception, it's a conviction, Brad. I, I will, I will, it's a reality. I will let yourself and now Matt eulogise about the man who somehow has PSG in second place in the Farmers League. Where you go. <laughs> well, the great, the funny thing about this is, is Maurizio Positino, the, the one club where surely... Surely no, he has I mean, to win something. Surely he has to win a trophy. Is, is this the season that PSG don't? Uh, no, I actually don't see it like that. Let's let let's let's be positive, Matt. Matt, come on. Can Lord Maurizio turn this around in the in that in that second leg? Is is it the um, you know is the tie over or is there still life in it for PSG? Well, he's been down and out at the Etihad before in a Champions League match, hasn't he? He'll Very still good. come through and won it. Um, let's not, not forget he- that. Um, admittedly, they did Spurs did win the, the first leg that time, and, and then went behind in, in the second. But uh, no, I'm slightly concerned, that, and I feel sorry for City in a way that they didn't get another goal when they clearly deserved to in those late, later stages when PSG were all over the place. Mm. Uh, and you just hope that that's not going to come back and haunt them because it is just a two nil win. You say just a two nil win; they're a great defensive side, City, and providing they stay on it. They'll be a great defensive side next week. Um, I was really impressed by the way, as well as Guardiola finally getting his tactics, n- keeping them normal rather than trying anything clever or whatever, mm, but getting mm. them right. The individual battle. One of my favourite moments from last night was when um, the ball was put down the flanks from Mbappe and Carl uh, Walker <laughs> clearly decided, right, this is my moment. I'm going to show him what quick is uh, and stepped up to the plate and won that individual battle. And that's what City were doing all of yesterday. Um, they were winning those individual battles all over the park. And that collectively was just too much for PSG. And they're not used to that. And they clearly lost it mentally. Um, there'll be a different side again. The, the the weight of expectations off them. So those players that are world-class players can be world-class players again. So there is a danger. Uh, and with obviously the greatest manager ever uh, at the helm, then, you know, he might conjure something out of the bag. But uh, but no, it is a big ask. They've done a lot of the work. I know they won't make the mistake of thinking they've done all of it. But, but PSG have players that can hurt you. And if they score early, suddenly it becomes a very different tie altogether. Uh, and, you know, any team that has sort of Neymar and Bappi and any of that, and that players of that calibre, to, to think that you're through on a narrow away win will, will be ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to say, I, I, I remember when Monaco played at Man City a few years ago and then Bappe played yes. and it was the closest thing I think I've seen since, to, to Thierry Henry, since Thierry Henry retired. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just like a water player, water talent, yeah. you know, it's just astonishing, isn't he? So don't think it's over yet, Andy, is it? But, no. You know, no, no, no. The thing that worried me, Andy, was that basically, I wonder whether City were just having a little dip and it's hit them before when even when they've had outstanding seasons, they've had a little dip and it's cost them in the, in the Champions League. And, you know, last night perhaps was the was the antidote to that and the, the, because of how well they played. 
Yeah, possibly. I mean, a few things on that. I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, does Pochettino go down as the greatest manager never to win a trophy at the moment? You know, you know like Colin Montgomery is the greatest man golfer <laughs> never to win a major. <laughs> it's like Posh is sort of like the greatest never to win a trophy. Um, but anyway, and, I, I, and I, it's I, a like, matter of time, my friend. It is. It, it, well, I mean, listen. If he doesn't win, the, <laughs> if he stays in the job and doesn't win the French league, PSG, then may you know questions. Have to be asked, as they say. But um, just go uh, in, in terms of um, the tie still alive, John. What you're saying, y- yes, and I agree about Mbappe. Mm. But I think Neymar is, is the key to all this. And, and you know, I do think, I, I, I think, I think you know, it, it's worth talking about. We we like over here. But don't no get away from it. We like to have a bit of a pile on Neymar, don't we? I mean, yes. let's. I, I, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about pundits. I'm talking about social media. You know, I mean, it, it is really, and, and there's never been probably a more. I mean, I keep hearing radio phones about is he the most overrated two hundred million pound player ever? I'm like, no, he's just the only two hundred million pound player. So there's, not, <laughs> you know, there's, there's actually nothing to compare with, you know. So, and and I do think that you know, and and even now, the the, the switch from understandably because the switch from being from the first half to the second half. Now, after the game, now after the game, he's he's being held up as all that's flaky about about PSG. And he's being held up himself as like, you know, typical Neymar, you know, sort of, you know, feigning injury, getting his arms strapped when he just fell gently, sort of moaning at the referee, trying to get Kevin De Bruyne sent off. And all the negative stuff that, that let's face it, we particularly enjoy, seem to enjoy in this country, putting on Neymar. But listen, just reflect on that 45 minutes and he was absolutely world-class. He is a world-class player. And to me, he holds... The game lasts 90 minutes though, doesn't he? Yeah, it does last 90 minutes. Well, I mean, listen, City only played for 45 in essence. I'm slightly fortunate to be only one down. And yeah, yes, it lasts 90 minutes, but you could not blame him for the second half. The fact of the matter is, is that City stopped the ball and stopped the service to Neymar and Mbappe. And he could hardly be blamed for that. But we like to blame him for that because, let's face it, he's an easy target. He's a target that we are so well-practiced in having a popper. But he, at one point, was the best player on that pitch. Yeah. Mm. And and he, he has got the potential to be that again at the Etihad. And I, I, and listen, no one will know that more than Pep Guardiola. Let's not forget that. And in fact, you know, he said in the week how he thinks Barcelona would have won a lot more had Neymar, had they kept hold of Neymar. So I do think that, 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 that he will be key to the second leg. And I do think that when you've got him in your team and Mbappe and, you know, the delivery of um, Di Maria, obviously, that we saw, they are going to be dangerous, you know, and, and they will probably, you know, it'll be it'll be a fascinating game. But, you know, any idea that this game is now um, done and dusted, this tie is done and dusted, is, of course, nonsense. But don't we like to, Andy, don't we like to have a go at Neymar specifically because he isn't messy, and he isn't Ronaldo. And what he hasn't done ever is do what he now needs to do, which is to take one of these major Champions League matches by the scruff of the neck and win it on his own. And that's effectively... It's no good him being the best player on the pitch. But hasn't he done, hasn't he he done that? To, with Bruce he needs to be the seen? best player in a Champions League semi-final uh, and get them get them through it now. He's, he's, he's got to dig them out. That, that's why he's paid the big bucks. Uh, yeah, it's like you say, it's no good just being the best player on the pitch. He's got to be head and shoulders the best player on the pitch, be untouchable, be worth the money. Uh, and then the sort of the, the the legend that is Neymar starts to be born more fully in a lot of people's eyes. Do you, yeah, think, Rossi, do you think Neymar deserves to be in the same bracket as Messi and Ronaldo? 
No. I I used I remember I used to have this laugh with uh, my my I was about to say former colleague because I never see him anymore Darren Lewis. Um, basically, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but basically, that Neymar in the MSN era at Barcelona, <laughs> Messi, <laughs> Suarez, and Neymar. Um, it, I, I mean, it was just. We, we used to laugh because basically the the you know Neymar was was almost felt like the odd man out, and there's no doubt about it. There was an element that Neymar left Barcelona because he didn't like to be overshadowed by by Messi. I think that's fair, guys, isn't it? And then basically, I um, you know I, <laughs> I and I think he's I think he's sort of done really done well at PSG. And in certain games, he's really shone. Mm. Yeah, but look, I, take, the, I take Matt's point about g- grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck, but in fairness to him, I feel like he has done that. The bottom in, line in, is in that the Champions League, they, this they, they, but will they, he go down? Will he go down as one of the all-time greats? Well, the that, bottom line isn't is that they, the question, and I don't think he will. They signed him to win them the Champions League. Yes, that's the bottom line. So next week is the that's the game they they yeah, paid two hundred million for for him to win a game like that and that's that's right you yeah. know you, you, he's on a he's earning fortunes he's their marquee player look he can't do everything on his own but you know they 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 will look his bosses will look to him next week and say right this is why we signed you get us into the final and then yeah. try and win it again yeah. it's a bit it's a bit like our old view isn't it in England of, of Ibrahimovic. Do you remember oh, there yeah. was a time when Zlatan hadn't scored time, against English, years, English opposition? Years. Yeah, well, basically, you know, he didn't. He didn't have this incredible record of never scoring against English opposition, didn't he? And then basically, he, he, you know, all of a sudden we're all going, "Oh, I'm not sure about this guy." And then basically, all of a, all of a sudden, he goes to another level, and he's just astonishing. One of the one of the all time greats. And listen, I'm not, you know, I I think that Neymar. Is is fantastic and basically has stepped up to the plate. But I do agree yeah. with with Matt in that basically he yeah. has he's got to take well, that by the scruff of the neck and dominate a game, dominate and win a Champions yes. League, and everyone go that was Neymar's Champions League. Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, Matt's got, got a very good point. All, all the only thing you would say on that is that is it to compare to look at him through the prism of Ronaldo and Messi? It's just harsh on anyone, isn't it? You know, I don't think we're going to see. A player like any of those two dominates games. Uh, well, so, you know, take games by the scruff of the neck, like Messi or Ronaldo can do. I'm not sure that we'll, that we'll see that from any player. You know, going forward, you, you know, it's, it's not like, for example, a Kevin De Bruyne. You know, we'll, we'll we'll do something that you know in that manner that Messi and Ronaldo do. So, so I think, but I just do. I, I do think that we that, that we basically um, disregard PSG and Neymar at at our peril, at City's peril. Yeah, I agree. Just a, just a final word, if I may, Jezza, on 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 City, Mares. I thought he was brilliant on Sunday, and then in commentary last night, uh, you know, I don't know whether you heard it, but but basically, Jermaine Genius, I think, said that it might that might just have been last night. He meant Mares's best game in a City shirt. Where is he form-wise at the moment? I mean, you know, yeah, you look, he's, Sterling, he's, but there's he, no argument, is there? He's playing really, really well, and you know. Um, he is now looking like the player who was so instrumental in helping um, Leicester win the league title. 
That's why City signed him for that for the for the for the games he's playing now. He's peaking just at the right time. And you I know you mentioned Sterling, obviously Foden on the yeah. other side, who's sensational every week, it seems. So, you know, um it's a measure of how well those two are playing and Mara's in particular that, yeah. that Sterling can't get a game. No. Again, you know, it, 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 yeah, exactly. And, and it's uh, it may be a debate for another show, but you know, if you think now, I, I, you, you'd have to say that, that that Raheem Sterling is behind Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, and Bernardo Silva. Yeah, I mean, Silva you know, was I, good last night too. Oh, I, and I think well, Bernardo Silva well, has been fun. excellent in recent games. Which, which, I, mean, I mean, excellent. So if you think, you know, I, I mean, I, in that in that of that quartet, if you include Sterling. He's probably fourth. You know, the, yeah. uh, it, it's a debate probably to be had when the season's ended and probably after the Euros. But Sterling's form is, re- is a real concern for Southgate. Although I thought Sterling yeah. was good on Sunday. Yeah, he was, but he's, he's, he, he just hard. seems to be lo- yeah. lacking that confidence, doesn't he, in front yeah. of the goal. You know, he's not scored many goals and he just looks a bit short on confidence. And it's a, if it continues to the end of the season, then Southgate's got a huge call to make. Because obviously, he loves Sterling to bits and wants him in the team. But on current form, he's, he yeah. doesn't justify starting for... England yeah. in the first game nice, of the Euros. Nice player to have on the bench, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not that city for you, isn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's incredible. Matt, Matt, I want to come to you first on Chelsea, just because, you you know, you, we, we both covered it, didn't we, the other night? And you'd have to say that it's looking quite promising, isn't it, for a, an all-English um, final. But I also just want to sort of touch on the job that Tuchel, I, I, we've said it lots of times before, but I think this brings it into, into a sharp focus. When, when you go to Real Madrid, play that well, you feel disappointed with a one-one because you you know you played so well you should have won the game. Yeah. What a job he's done in the three months! How has he done it? I think he's done it by making it, by giving his players absolute clarity of what's expected of them. I think for all that Frank Lampard's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, I, I <laughs> think better than Poch. <laughs> uh, he's not. A, he's not a sliced bread as Poch. No one's a sliced bread as Poch. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, down south. Um, but uh, but no but Frank was very encouraging and got his players so far but I think Tuchel recognised the fact that they're actually especially with the investment that they had in the summer they've got better players than that Uh, and and I think he made it clear from the start he took on board the fact that he was arriving to get them into the top four he made no bones of that even though they were nowhere near when he came in And, and he also didn't mind taking on board the fact that do you know what if you can throw in a trophy or two that's great as well and uh, and kind of part of the expectation. He embraced all of that, made it clear to his players, no, they are high standards, but that's what we have here. And he made those players play, train and play to those standards uh, and, uh, and made them believe that it was possible by breaking it down game by game, putting that run together uh, and basically building something that said, the confidence says, no, you should be winning these games. And Frank Lampard is saying, you know, you can now win these games. And he was saying, you should win these games. It was a subtle difference. And I think the Frank Lampard stage needed to be got through because Chelsea, after losing Hazard, the transfer windows were on a bit of a low ebb. So they needed that stage. But then Tuchel accelerated the whole process uh, and was brave enough to say, no, let's... Let's take these challenges on uh, and do that. If you can get Timo Werner to score goals, then he's a genius. Because at the moment, that's the one thing that seems impossible by any for anybody, even Pochettino. What a mess that was, by the way. Uh, it's just that they keep coming, don't they? And you know, you feel sorry for strikers when you're in that. I tell you what, now. as well, my Chelsea were very good. We all watched the game, covered the game, but they were very, very good. 
But my one concern would be, will they live to regret not not scoring more goals? Because they, they had Real Madrid on the ropes. They made Real Madrid look like an ageing team, actually, on Tuesday. They really before. did, yeah. yeah. And, but Ver, Werner is such a frustrating player. I mean, I know you did a piece done on him mm. saying he does bring a lot to the team. You know, he's got speed. You know, his link-up play is great. It's just the end product is just non-existent. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, you've got Tammy Abraham on the bench. You know, the different sorts of players, but... I mean, if Tammy Abraham had had the sort of form Werner's had in front of goal, he'd have been dropped from the team months, weeks ago. Werner stills he has got a lot of faith in him, and he too sure it's a blind I, spot, really. But well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think probably Tuchel just thinks like a few people, myself included, that you know, I, I'm sure there is a big, a big, big game in in Timo Werner at some stage. You know, I saw him at. I mean, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm 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 unashamed fan of Timo Werner. I think. I think it will come good for him. I think he's be, he's played in, in slightly different than he was playing um, Leipzig in that, in that he has got pace, you know, to frighten defenders, but but they're not using him directly. There is that, that link-up play that you mentioned, Jez, which which he does well with Pulisic and Mount, and I think that caused Real all sorts of problems. Even in the goal, um, you know, he, he, he sort of drew a couple of defenders away from um, Pulisic, who then obviously took his goal very well. Um, and I don't think he's being used as directly, you know, and hence when the chances do come, it, 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 it clearly is lacking a bit of conviction in them. But I saw him up at Anfield um, and again, he missed a couple of chances. Um, but you know what? He ran that back line of Liverpool's ragged. I mean, he really That's did. not difficult though, is it? No, that's, that's really true. And he, and, he, and, and, and he set the tone though for Chelsea's performance. Yeah. He, he did set the tone for Chelsea's performance. And I think, you know, although Tuchel did reference, you know, and said, listen, let's not cry about it, the miss on Tuesday. He he almost set the tone for that performance as well. You, you know, in that, in that first, you know, they played him for an hour, almost as a player. You're going to get an hour out of him, non-stop. But as I say, diddling well with Pulisic and Mount. And I, I agree, you know, you can't argue that he should be converting those chances. You know, the one he missed then... The one he missed at West Ham, even though he scored, he missed a sitter. And, of course, the one he missed against North Macedonia for Germany, which probably tops the lot. He is making an unfortunate habit of it. And Chelsea do have an unfortunate habit of, of recruiting strikers um, with a good goal record who then don't translate that record when they get to Stamford Bridge. So, yes, it's an issue. But in terms of, you know, I, I mean, I, I think, it, I, I genuinely think that Tuchel, when it comes to Abraham Werner, it's not it's not a choice. You know, if Werner's not in the side um, on Wednesday, then it won't be Tammy Abraham um, in the team. You know, it'll play another way. It'll play Havertz or, or whatever. I don't think that has become. He clearly doesn't, you know, rate Abraham particularly highly, and he clearly likes Werner. And I just think, you know, we'll keep on saying that. I might be saying it in. Two weeks' time, the end of the season, start of next season. But I do think that there's a very, very good Premier League striker in Timo Werner. I think we'll see it eventually. Crossy, mm. when um, you know when Tuchel came to Chelsea and he was negotiating his 18-month contract with um, <laughs> Roman Abramovich, I think winning the Champions League even came into the conversation. Absolutely. And the thing is about it is that he's got European pedigree, isn't he? Yeah, Tuchel. Oh. You know, he's, 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 he's pedigree against yeah, Real Madrid. Absolutely. You know, he's, he's basically, um, you know, reached the final last year, had several campaigns with Borussia Dortmund. He is clearly, you know, instilling a confidence and a belief 
in those Chelsea players. He's, he's been something special, hasn't he? He's yes. really, really caught the imagination. And, yeah. he, he, you know, he's, he's a top-class manager. And yeah. basically, it doesn't even... It, I, well, the thing that I find amazing is that basically it feels like it's a transitional season. And I mean that because he took over at the end of January. He's inherited a squad. This is not his squad. He's yet to make any sort of mark or stamp any or sort of authority on that group of players. Yeah. So just it, it, imagine how good they will be when he's maybe got a chance yeah. to, to kind of tweak and do that. And listen, they've got a very good squad already. Please don't get me wrong. I just and, think, wow, to do yeah. this with with a group of players that he's inherited is just amazing. They're really a genuine title contenders next season, won't they? Yeah, not all. And you know, listen, you know, good chance they're going to win the FA Cup. But he knows the players as well, though. John does. He doesn't know quite mm. a lot of the players anyway, either directly or... or or indirectly, and and you know FA Cup final probably going to finish top four, possible Champions League final against City. Mind you, City also Carabao Cup winners, Premier League winners elect prop might even be this weekend and Champions League finals. I tell you what, the Super League, what was that all about? I mean, Chelsea <laughs> and Man City must be thinking, yeah, right, okay, yeah, forget that. I mean, a week is a long time, isn't it? Let's put, let's put it that way. It certainly is. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. No, it'll be it'll be interesting. Let's hope for a uh, a um, an all English final as in tw- as in twenty nineteen. What a memory that was, guys! It's also been an incredibly. I hate talking about them, obviously, but basically, it's also been an incredibly turbulent week for Arsenal, hasn't it? I mean, you know, fan protests uh, before the Everton game, the burned Lino howler. Um, uh, yeah. and then and then the man behind Spotify then you stepping forward to make a very high, highly publicised bid with the, with the um, backing of three club legends uh, Matt where, where, where are Arsenal at the moment where do you where do you see this where do you, how do you see this one playing out where are Arsenal at the moment they're 10th in the table mid table <laughs> um, absolutely worse than they were when Anurai Amaray left Two places worse off, aren't they? Two, two places, places worse, worse off. off, but that's another two yeah, years so. down the drain yeah. of trying to not lose the Wenger legacy and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, two more years of not having Champions League money. Um, yeah, that uh, and and Cronky's going nowhere. He's made that mm. clear. He's even put out a statement just that uh, perhaps he wants to release a single so that the Spotify guy pays attention to it. Um, I'm very very oh, suspicious. You were sorry. Or record a podcast, of course. Yeah, well, absolutely. Of course, yeah. Um, uh, I'm very suspicious of any takeover that you hear about more than about a day before it actually happens, because normally it's all about publicity for for the bidder. You can see the mess that they've got into in Newcastle. Um, That was uh, as soon as that became public. If this is if a lot of what Newcastle did happened behind closed doors. That wouldn't be the saga that it is uh, uh, and might have progressed you know, a lot faster. Um, but any takeover that you hear about from back in the day, Leeds United 20 years ago when they were going to be bought out by the fake shake, you know, the more it's all publicity. And you just wonder, he's got half the money that um, that Cronky's got. He's, and that's only paper money because it's based on the valuation of his company, which which he still owns. Um, he's got about a tenth or a twentieth of the amount of money that Usmanov's got, who's tried for years to get into Arsenal. Um, he's got a few legends who possibly should know better than put pressure on a on a regime that's not going to change. Uh, you know, yes, Arsenal fans are frustrated. 
But Crocky's going nowhere, and if they want things to get better, it's going to have to be within that that establishment. I wonder now uh, still what Arteta... I think Arteta's got to start delivering in the next... If he's given that long, the next 12 months, you need to see some realistic and measurable signs that things are getting better there. Because at the moment, they are drifting into mid-table obscurity, clinging on to the fact, gratefully hanging on to invitations to be part of the big six and a European Super League because there's no way that they're there on merit at the moment. And, uh, yeah, uh, and the only good thing for the club and the hot pot healthy thing for the club is that enough fans still care about them to make the sort of protests that we've seen mm. this week because so many, so often when Wenger was drifting into the sunset, uh, you know, it was all a bit half-hearted. And when you expected these previous process, you know, the empty seats at the Emirates that were bought and paid for, um, all that sort of thing. Um, you just wonder whether enough people still care about Arsenal. And it's been come clear this week that actually, yes, people do still care about their club. And that's got to be channeled in a positive way to, to building a club that, that is worthy of a top six, a big six labelling, but really needs to find that form on the pitch to, to, to justify it. Because at the moment, they're miles off. But hopefully Arteta is the man to lead them there because more changes are going to help them unless they, they do a, a Tuchel and pull a, the absolute master stroke of appointing someone who can achieve instant results but but generally the whole place is a mess and Cronky's going nowhere so it's going to have to be achieved within the institution as it stands and uh, yeah they've got a long long way to go mm. Andy break it down for me because I think listeners will uh, immediately say, or viewers will immediately say, hang on a minute, you're a group of journalists. Why wouldn't you want that 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 takeover bid to be public? Why why is it a bad thing to be paid out in public? I've got my views on this, but but go on. It, well, it's, it's most unusual, isn't it? And basically, you know, I saw loads of, journal, loads of different journalists saying, this is ridiculous seeing it played out in public. And I'm thinking... If I'm a, if I'm a, you know, on Twitter, I'm thinking, what on earth? A load of journalists complaining about a story yeah. coming out, but you know, but yeah, there is yeah, there yeah. is a flip side it's, to it. Yeah, you shouldn't say yeah. that. You shouldn't say that. It, it, you know, it's like we complain about when you know managers have a go, referees just that's out of order. But if they didn't have a go with them, it'd be fairly dull on the back pages, wouldn't it? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it's you know. But uh, Matt's it's right. That, it's that type is of what thing. I'm saying. But Matt is it, right. It, it, I think you, you know. Yeah. In the, yeah. in this particular instance, you know, the, 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 this this tweet sort of looked like a, you know, a knee jerk tweet to the Super League sort of um, fiasco, really. When and it, it looked almost whimsical, didn't it? Let's let's, mm. let's put it that way. His first tweet almost looked whimsical, um, as if you're just going to buy. And, and secondly. You know, I guess what, the reason why journalists, um, and many journalists write that, you know, the, the, the most serious takeovers are never um, played out in public. You know, we we, we, we are referencing, you know, back to Roman Abramovich. Basically, that's that, that's the touchstone for all of us, you know, is, is, is that no one particularly knew until, you know, he basically handed over the cash. Um to Ken Bates at that particular time, you know, there, there was no real hint of that. Now, that now that could be the fact that, that, that you know, journalists, you know, when actually, you know, will be disappointed they didn't know about that. Um, and it was just kept very well hidden from them. So the idea, yeah, that, 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 that it goes back to that idea that if you're serious, you don't want it out there because you don't want anyone to put, you know, barriers in its way. 
etc. So, you know, so for example, the, the proposed Saudi takeover of Newcastle, you know, quite well publicized. Now, would that have had the scrutiny and the barriers put in its way had it just sort of gone through? Well, I mean, that's a difficult one because, you know, th- th- there are certain things they would have needed to do, you know, and certain, you know, uh, and inevitably the government would have had to get involved, no doubt. However, you know, it would have had more of a chance if it had been sort of um, particularly surreptitious. So I guess that's why we why we're sceptical about it. And why wouldn't you be sceptical about something that just looked like a um, um, a whimsical comment on Twitter, even though he has since, you know, suggested, um, yes, he'd love to. But then again, again, the reason why, I'm, and Matt articulated this, why you're sceptical is that it's not for sale. You know, there, there's even a slightest hint. I mean, Stan Kroenke, as again, as Matt said, has resisted the, you know, um, Alicia Usmanov, you know, forever, basically. And and you probably couldn't have found a more determined um, suitor than that, and he couldn't succeed, you know. So what 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 gives this guy the chance? The fact is, is that, is that both, well, all, Kroenke, Henry at Liverpool, the Glazers um, at United, I mean, they're holding on because the bottom line is they think that these investments are going to, come up with more and more returns, whether it be in a Super League or in the Premier League or the Champions League. They think these 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 clubs are still going to be very, very lucrative investments. And there's no sign of that stopping. You know, they no, are going to be. No, of course not. So I why must, should they sell? Oh, no, I must relay a couple of silly little, on, anecdotes, little anecdotes on this one. I always remember the Chelsea takeover when Roman Abramovich, and please don't get me wrong here, there's no way that I'm claiming to, to have broken this story. A couple of papers certainly it certainly had the absolute march on this. But I, I always remember taking a call off a uh, Russian um, pal of mine, a contact uh, in the afternoon saying, oh, you know, have you heard about this, you know, story that's sort of kind of unfolding here in Moscow and basically told me about this guy, Abramovich, and had to look him up and, and stuff, ring the office and sort of, you know, the office saying, well, I'm not sure about that. Ring them back again about half an hour later and said, uh, yeah, yeah, I better not say who it was. It says, uh, as I spoke to the desk man, he basically says, yeah, it says, he'll do a separate on it. Basically, it'll give it its own head, give its own headline on the page lead and sort of down inside. Basically, give, give us eight pars. It's not bad. I have to say, thankfully, thankfully, it did blow up a little bit more that later that day and it became, oh my god, what a story! I mean, what a huge story. And so the other claiming to have got it then, hey. So you are claiming to have got no, 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 no. Because no. I have to say another, <laughs> an, another, 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 another paper had it absolutely nailed down. Mm. And uh, in, in fairness to them, and Does so that I, I, still I, work for real? I know my place. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I remind them every Christmas party. Don't worry. <laughs> every yeah. every single year. Do you remember what? Do you remember the title of the Roman Abramovich takeover? Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, but you know, you guys know me that well enough. And the other one about not selling was that basically I always remember, um, in uh, in sort of the December of two thousand eight, ringing uh, Arshavin's agent, a, a real character called Dennis Lacter, and he gave me one of the all time great quotes that I rarely quote agents. I have to say, I use it for information, but it was so funny that I said, "Do you mind if I go?" He said, "No, go ahead." But basically, I said, "Oh, you know, Arsenal." Want Arshavin, he said. You know, you know, I know they want Arshavin. You know, but I, I look, I like the look of Angelina Jolie. You know, do, do, yeah. do, you know, I'm not. Uh, 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 you know, unfortunately, I'm I can't no have uh, Arsene Wenger likes the look of uh, you know Arshavin. He can't have him, and so it's you know. Anyway, it was one of those things, but it was just bizarre, isn't it? And it feels like that, doesn't it? And it's just the yeah. thing that gets me 
Jeremy, is that he's got the backing of these three guys. And one of them is Thierry Henry, who's so brilliant, who's so professional, so focused, who's, who's the ultimate pro, driven. And if it, were, if it were Thierry Henry as manager and Mikel Arteta was leading a, a takeover group, Thierry Henry would be going nuts about about sort of a group of former players at the most important stage yeah. of the season, potentially, you know, derailing the campaign. Yeah, it's a bit hypocritical, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, this ec- the timing of this story is is quite transparent, really, because I don't know if you agree, but, I mean, clearly this guy has been working in the um, in the shadows trying to get these these ex-players involved for some kudos, to, to lend some kudos to his mm. attempted buyout of Cronky. Um, but probably the fact that it's come out a few days after the collapse of the Super League where Cronky's been getting pelters for his ownership um, of the club uh, along with the other American owners in the Premier League, he may have thought naively, <laughs> granted, but that Cronky would actually think about walking away from Arsenal given the mm. fact that the Super League's collapsed and, you know, he's he's despised by a, by a section of Arsenal supporters. So... You know, he maybe thought that the situation was vulnerable there, but clearly stands going nowhere. And I don't know who said it earlier on the podcast, but it might as well be us for trying to buy Arsenal because it's not going to happen. Mm. No. It's ridiculous. And why are you still banging this drum, Mr. Eck? I don't know because <laughs> listen, if Cronky says I'm not selling, he's not selling. It's, no. a, it's just a dead in the water now. Why do you spot yeah, I keep, I keep reading that he's worth three, three billion, and the, you know his company is worth three billion, mm. and he's got shares in that company, but he's not worth that. How much money would it cost? How much money would it cost to make Arsenal a team capable of challenging for the title again? Because they're well, so you, far off, the likes of City and Chelsea now. And you, you could argue, you know, couldn't you? you that basically, one point eight billion. If you, if you know, that's probably going to be rejected. Why on earth would? I mean, you know, you're not going to sell, so you'd have to blow them away with the price, and then you'd have to add on another billion to rebuild the squad. Frankly, I mean, you would. You know they are a long way behind, which makes you wonder why? Why the heck? Why the heck? Pardon, why the heck? Why the heck would he want to? Would he want He's to pump York, all yeah. his money into a football club? Yeah, he must be yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, He's a right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but well, to, to be fair, Jeremy probably has. He's probably looked at all the other owners and thought, well, actually, I probably won't need to put my money into it. They just borrow it against the yeah. club, don't they? I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, mm. he, he won't. He won't yeah, go down well. He'll he, be, be worth X amount, but then, then, then he'll borrow it against that, won't he? Borrow it against yeah, the club. That, that's that's that, yeah. That's the way. Like it's financial matters yeah. that go a bit above my head, actually. Yeah, I mean, I must say, you know, from my over my head, I, I'm very, very, um, I'm very skeptical about it, simply because I'm not not convinced about the the, the whys and wherefores of it. Mm. But that doesn't mean to say that I can't see where the fans are coming from. Yeah, because, you know. Absolutely, they're right to be incredibly critical and very upset with the current ownership, and the current ownership would accept mm. that. And then you've yeah, got yeah. to rebuild that trust after the Super League farce, mm. and you've got to rebuild that. But I just think that if there's a positive to come out of that, then it has to be for a greater either fan representation or greater dialogue with with fans moving forward, surely. And that's not just with Arsenal. I think, you know, across the clubs, surely now, I think in the review of, of teams, hopefully, that, that could be a, a way forward, Matt. Do you think that's realistic? Um, well, it's whatever Cronky wants, isn't it? That's Not I just mean, Arsenal, though. I think that basically across the board, perhaps, even broader. 
You hope so. Well, we've got this government-led review into fan-led review into the governance of football, so we'll see how that comes out. But to be fair, politicians don't seem to be doing particularly well at running anything at the minute, so uh, yeah. hopes aren't high. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, we uh, as fans, we want fans to be more involved because we understand what the game's about. Uh, and I think, to be fair to the owners, they understand they just don't necessarily care enough um, because they see the pound notes. Um, a, a German model is held up as as the example, but then you look at the Bundesliga and it's it's not a, a great competitive league. Um, you know, you get we jumped into bed twenty odd years ago, thirty uh, odd years ago with. Uh, with the big money and uh, and that's we've got a great Premier League I think competitively we all like watching it but but that's the price we paid for it is that we've lost a little bit of control over it um, I think there's enough control for them to finally see sense and fans have shown that we can you know flex our muscles uh, and make clubs call clubs into question but but yeah perhaps the outcome of this European Super League misstep will be that they'll pay lip service at least to, to show more interest in what the fans yeah. think, but whether actually it means any real power is, is perhaps a long way down the line. Is I mean, that, 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 that's, that's, that's quite a cynical view and, I, and one I totally share. You, you know, the bottom line is, um, it's, the bottom line is, is that winning things and successful teams, you know, um, make people forget an awful lot of stuff, as I've just alluded to before. You know, Chelsea fans and Man City fans, won't be talking about the Super League if if one of the clubs um, wins the Champions League, having already won other trophies. You know that already, that's already forgotten virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying Arsenal fans will will forget about that if they win the Europa League. But you know, let's face it: if, if they were to win the Europa League, then you're looking at Arteta, albeit his record over how many games he's been in charge? 15, 78, 77. 77 across all competitions. One less than uh, Emery got. Yeah. But one less, but 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 then then at the end after after eighty games after low eighty games he might have two trophies in the cabinet, you know, which mm. FA Cup and Europa League. Now I know managers have been have still been dismissed on less, but what I mean is that 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 won't appease the fans to to a full extent, but it goes some way to doing it. it so mm. yes, I, I agree with Matt. I think in an ideal world, yes, you know, you know, fan representation and fan power to a certain extent. Mm. But I suspect the route you go down is you is it will be lip service fans on on you know committees boards or whatever, but with actual no executive power. You know these guys aren't these guys who own clubs aren't giving executive power to fans. You know no matter how mortified they may feel about what happened to the Super League. Just yeah, imagine right. if we'd have been living in normal times. Obviously, the games that have taken place since Super League. Just imagine if you'd been sat in a, being a director, sat in a director's box mm. at the stadium. The amount of grief they would have got. I mean, obviously, by the time fans get back to stadiums, which will hopefully be at the start of next season, um, there's a lot of water will have gone under the bridge yeah. by then. So it'll be interesting to see what reception chief executives, directors, chairman get when they sit, take the seat for a game. But generally, yeah. that's my point. Is I think it will be different. I mean, yeah. do you think? Do you think at the Etihad they will turn on directors? The Etihad. Do you genuinely think that? I, 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 I just can't can see I, it. Can, can I just? Say, I cannot well, see it. Do before, I think they'll do it at United? Yeah. Absolutely. It comes your breakfast, yeah. cross it. It comes <laughs> my coffee. Thank you. Um, <laughs> do I think? Do, do I think they're a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Here's a funny one. Here's a funny one for you. 
So basically, before the Carabao Cup final, at least me and Dad, uh, me, me and Matt took this very seriously. Thanks for your contribution, boys. <laughs> Noted. Uh, we were asked to do a box um, oh, um, yes, yes. uh, <laughs> running late. I was running late. <laughs> guys, we're coming down from north. Me and guys, I'm joking. I'm joking. At least one of us. At least one of us out. Me and Matt anyway took it. Took surnames. But uh, anyway, um, I digress. But no, I we, we were asked to do a vox pop beforehand. And I, I collared a very, shall we say, well-spoken, um, long-standing uh, Man City fan. Mm-hmm. So he clearly, you know, reads one hell of a lot about sort of all the fallout, studies every single word, obsessed by his club, okay? And I, I basically, we had this sort of range of questions, didn't we, about kind of, you know, about sort of kind of how long you support your team, what do you make of this week, will the Super League affect it? And he said to me, well, I'm so pleased that Man City didn't stand, didn't sign up for it. So I said, well, we, obviously Man City did. And he goes, no, we didn't. No, 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 no. So I said, well, forgive me, but you were one of the six t- English teams to sign up as one of the 12 founding members. Well, I, I yeah, I suppose so. But we were the first to pull out yeah, and we were yeah. never going to do it. So I said, well, you were. You know, it's just like the, the and I'm not saying that to knock City, but it's the it's the it's the um, the City fans have a completely different view yes. of their team and their team's participation and signing up True. for it. As in fairness, I think to Chelsea. Yes. I think that Spurs fans are angry, but they're angry about the ownership of the club rather than the and the direction of the club rather than the Super League. The three English teams that are owned by American owners have a completely different view. Yes. And it's a fascinating take. And I just thought that that guy, it, it, you know, just reminded me of about perceptions yes. of, of about how it's viewed. Crossy, I mean, I mean, now if you want to read more expanded views along those same lines, pick up your Daily Mirror tomorrow for my column. I totally and utterly agree. I, to the extent, I said I won't give too much away, Totally to the extent where, where oh, I'm, be- I'm beginning to think, I'm beginning to think conspiracy theories. I'm beginning to think Chelsea and Man City may just, may just. I mean, you know. Well, let's put it this way: they played but Spurs it very well. Done in. I will offer well, Spurs. I, I think Spurs to a Spurs. certain extent. Oh, they're irrelevant, are they? God, no, I didn't say irrelevant. <laughs> but to a certain extent, I, I think you know. Let's just leave them out of it for a second. Well, I'm just, I, I totally agree with you. Now, this may have happened by by, by accident. Mm, mm. But without a doubt, though, I mean, Chelsea and Man City, I mean, you wouldn't say they've coming out of it smelling of roses, but they're not in the same stuff as Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester United. Are. And almost, you know, as I say, but I, say I, I, I am going to do a column on it tomorrow about, you know, I mean, could this? I mean, it's a grand conspiracy theory, but maybe Chelsea and Man City knew what they were doing all along. I mean, it's let's face it. Uh, sorry, sorry? I say it's interesting you say that, Andy, because um, Thomas Tuchel was asked by a journalist in this preview ahead of the Real Madrid game whether he felt that English fans might turn, you know, often we get behind the English teams, mm. but, yeah. but the, if English fans had turned against Chelsea because they were ready to jump ship, and then he just like sniggered and said, yeah. "What? What against Real Madrid?" Uh, uh, and they've allowed themselves to become a little bit tarnished. We're a little bit bad. Hey, but we're no Real Madrid. We're no Liverpool. We're no exactly. Manchester we're United. no Liverpool. We're, 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 we're not America owned. We're owned by by a sort of currently benefactor. And, and and it does. And the more I think about it, I'm thinking, you know what? This how how. Let's face it, guys. We were all the narrative was that 
Man City and Chelsea were reluctant to join the Super League, okay? And then, pretty swiftly, once they had, the narrative was Man City and Chelsea would lead the exit from the Super League, mm. which they did, which, well, mm. so we're, we're, you know, that was, that's that's the that's perception. So in other words, you know, th- th- those two, are, that, that has always been there. And, that, and the overriding narrative has been, it's all the fault of, of um, the Americans, basically, of Gronk yeah. of, of, of those dashed the American owners, yeah. yeah. You know, and what are, and, and Chelsea and Man City, what are the chances of um, Mansour or Abramovich being, you know, targeted by fans? Absolutely not at all. You know, these are benefactors of this club who have given them, who've given them times they could not imagine. So, so the, but Liberal fans will turn against John W. Henry to the extent where he had to make this groveling apology. United fans will turn against United owners and by proxy Ed Woodward, who's had to resign. And now Cronkie is under enormous pressure from the fans as well. So mm. all this discord and disquiet is at those three clubs. Meanwhile, Chelsea and City plow on, go and collect trophies, go and contest Champions League finals, take the money off the good old cheap Mansour and Roman. And, and what's going to happen? And plus, on top of that, you've got the situation where, don't forget, what what is the... Um, they have to consider then, what are the punishments going to be? Now, if the punishments, as we all have done these off-the-record stuff recently, I think we pretty much know that it's not going to be points deduction. No. It's not going to be any ban from uh, European competition because the authorities do not want to punish the fans who've been so great in all this. Mm. So what could it possibly be? It's probably going to be a financial penalty. And that's really going to hurt Sheikh Mansour and Roman Abramovich, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Mm. You know, I, I mean, it will just help them get rid of some money. So, and just the whole thing, just, as I say, if it's not, if it's not a grand, if, if it's not a conspiracy theory that, that's right, and probably unlikely it is, one thing is for sure is that Chelsea Man City not only because of their situation this season and and the, and the competitions they're they're threatening to win, Chelsea and Man City are, are emerging from this Super League fiasco in a far better way than Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, and yes, Spurs as well. In yeah. summing up, Dunny, they've both played a blinder. Well, yeah, basically, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they played a blinder. Our, our, our friend Alan Chamberlain. Just but, 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 but here's Go another on. one. Just quickly to, to, to just quickly to go on that as well because I, I think it's a fascinating discussion. But also, then you may ask, well, wouldn't they have been better? Wouldn't they have played a, a bigger blinder? Why did they sign up in the first place? Well, this is it. So, why did they sign up in the first place? So now here, now let, let me let me just say, go on. Now, if you really were taking this conspiracy theory to the limit, you would say they signed up because, right, without them, it doesn't happen. It doesn't even start. Liverpool, Man United and Arsenal and Spurs do not break away without City and Chelsea. Right. So it doesn't happen. None of this happens. The status quo remains. So they've taken them in by joining it. Then Then basically cut them adrift and then... I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It's got too much time on my hands thinking about this. No, no. I can see why you're doing. You know, our regular contributor Alan Chamberlain. I've been looking at everyone's messages, um, so I appreciate those. Lots, lots on Arsenal. Even a couple on Mares and uh, the ownership and and stuff. But Alan makes this point in that the only reason Man City and Chelsea weren't pushing for the Super League is because they were still in this season's Champions League and didn't want to be kicked out, which is you know alternative. Fair point. And, and that is a fair, very fair that, point. 
Seventy have obviously had their their problems well documented with uh, UEFA down the years, yeah. with FFP and stuff. Yeah. So they treaded on thin ice with UEFA. So they were, they were probably yeah. paranoid about. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to come back one last point going back to Arsenal, Jeremy, because I am fascinated about perceptions and journalist perceptions, particularly in the, the whole north south divide. <laughs> so Friday night, right? I, 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 you know, I'm watching Arsenal Everton. Arsenal, well, I thought were terrible. It was an awful, mm. and basically, it just couldn't put them to bed, could they? Basically, and then all, you know, they lose to a terrible goal. I mean, the, the, the hopes of you know any lingering hopes of of, of um, reaching Europe dead. Now it's all on the Europa League, and I'm thinking, blimey, Arteta, you know, where's it going with this? And out the blue, a pal of mine in football, I should I should add, say, how comes that Arteta gets such an easy ride? That basically, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this season, last season, fighting to save his job. Now look at them. You know, Frank well, Lampard. Think- Frank Lampard got him in the got him in the Champions League, and yet you lot. What about Arteta? How, come, yeah. how comes no criticism? And, and I have to say, bearing in mind they sacked Emery, you know, in similar it was, circumstances. It was, was going to knock him out of the semi-finals of the Europa League. Yeah, and it's just like what, for the final punch in the gut. He's Ar, he's, Ar, he's Arteta. I mean, I, I, I'll be, I was so passionate about Arteta, and even I'm beginning to wonder. He's got to make some progress. He's got to. He's got to improve things. The I mean, they spent money. Um, they spent money badly. But basically, where is the club going? Well, the fact that he gets an easy ride is probably um, indicative of where Arsenal are, isn't it? It's damning that you know you mentioned Solskjaer. Well, Solskjaer manages Man United, where success is basically. You know, part of the DNA. It's it, anything less than that is, is a failure. You've got to win stuff, and he's not done um, yet. I'm sure he will at some point. But Arsenal are different because they are used to being in a vacuum of mediocrity now. So you know, I know he won the FA Cup, Arteta, but any, uh, winning a trophy is just deemed to be some sort of bonus thrown into to the equation. Really, that's what it feels like from a neutral's point of view to, to me. I don't know if the lads agree, but yeah, you're right. And he got that job. Um, I thought it was a mistake, personally. I thought the job was too big for for him in his first job. I mean, okay, he shadowed Guardiola for several years, but does that make him a great manager? You know, I mean, if I shadowed Guardiola, it wouldn't turn me into a great manager, would it? But I think there was a bit of mystique about that. You know, he's Guardiola's big buddy. He played for Arsenal. Uh, was a great servant to Arsenal and a wonderful footballer, but doesn't doesn't guarantee a thing when it comes to management. Mm. And the job is such a huge one at Arsenal because they're so far behind the rest mm. um, that it it probably needed someone with more experience and know how probably. Mm. But you know, having gone down the route of Arteta, ho- I hope they stick with him just to see if he can if he can sort of claw back some respectability and turn them into you know a team that is capable of at least going deep in competitions, because at the minute, they're just going backwards, really. They're miles off it, aren't they, really? Mm. I, I just want to take a very quick look, at because we're unconscious of time, but um, Man United, Liverpool. I mean, mm. yeah, it's incredible to think that, but by the way, you know, it, 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 you know, social media blackout this weekend, um, and, you know, credit to the clubs and the leagues. And, and so doing it could be such a seismic... Well, I'm sure, yeah. Um, it, should, it could be such a seismic... Uh, I'm not a player, though, Jeremy. I hasten to add. I was sort of... I've been uh, slightly uh, watching this with with, with interest. With basically, suddenly people thinking they're sort of kind of players and what have you. But I, I absolutely believe in the, in the boycott because you have to put pressure on the... 
on, on the social media companies. It's just incredible that, that, that it's still not getting um, verification. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't know whether, you know, the, the, the media still should basically, you know, stand up and be campaigning during that boycott to, to get that verification. But anyway, it's, 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 a, it's a dilemma um, that I'm sure we'll, we'll, sure we'll counter, but it's just unforgivable. So if that puts the pressure on, then great. But let's go back to the United-Liverpool preview um, because it, it could be that, that basically City wrap up the title if results go. Um, so we've got that playing out in the background. Um, but, it, it, you know, Liverpool at the moment just can't finish teams, can they? I mean, United almost second wrapped up. I mean, it's not it's not quite what it used to be, guys. But we are getting on to the end of the season, you know. And basically, it's it's um, you know, it could be it could be really interesting, isn't it? You know, the way that it plays out. It plays out, Matt. What do you? How do you see the the game going on Sunday? I think it'll be an afternoon where both teams lose because it'll be the afternoon that City win. Um, City will be crown champions. I think United will do enough against Liverpool to, uh, sorry, Liverpool will do enough uh, to um, get something, a draw, I think, uh, against United. Because they just need that, to drop points, don't they? Yeah, I think that puts City. them over the line. So, right. so nobody wins uh, at all at Old Trafford. Uh, meanwhile, the other half of the city, they're all celebrating because because what we've known for a long time is is finally going to be confirmed. But I have to say, I can't remember the build up to a United Liverpool game being so low key with so many other things like the Champions League going on and you know titles being awarded elsewhere and FA Cup finals coming up. Um, I think it's a massive wake up call for for where they both are. You know, United if they could win, um, then it's a big step and makes a statement that that they are now the big challengers to City next season. Um, if I think Liverpool need to do something. Uh, just to stop the rock, because if they go in, go to United, lose, uh, where does that leave them? I mean, the, the, the second half of the season they've had, they're on the floor, and, and for them to think that they can build a title challenge again next season from there, you need a few green shoots, surely, to, to say, well, look look back to that game, you know, we can still do it. But at the moment, you know, they're at rock bottom, and... and uh, yeah, unless they can do something at Old Trafford, I don't know quite where how much belief is left at the bottom of the sink to to sort of build on next season. Hmm. I mean, cross it's weird because normally this would be the fixture of the season for, for, for yeah. years and years. It always been the biggest game of the season. It just feels like a, an afterthought now. But having said that, if United can beat Liverpool and hammer another nail in Liverpool's coffin, they will absolutely they love that. They will yeah, love it. I, I, yeah. I, I think it does feel like a bit of an afterthought, but I think you know Liverpool have got all the motiv- motivation they need to, to get a result there, and you know to keep those top four hopes um, alive, and obviously to beat United Old Trafford, you know, which which obviously they would enjoy doing. I do think we with Liverpool, you, you know, I, I was at the game in Anfield last Saturday um, for the Newcastle game, you know, and they played well in parts of that. But you know they 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 they, they miss chances. You know similar personnel, but they are don't forget they are missing. You know a couple of key key players, and they have been for some time. Certainly, you know obviously Van Dijk for most of the season, and Jordan Henderson for you know the past two or three months. And he, I think, is the the player that that they've really really missed in the second half of the season. Mm. 
He binds them all together, doesn't he? He binds them all together. And and, and if nothing else, the fact that, you know, again, against Newcastle, and I know he had a little spell where where Klopp played um, Phillips anchor back as centre-halves and Fabinho was restored to midfield and that made a difference. But Fabinho has again been playing centre-back. And it just leaves a, you know, it it, it leaves a, uh, it it gives the, the midfield just a bit more of a weakness, a bit, a bit of a softness about it. And then, of course, if one or two of the front three aren't particularly firing, and Sadio Mane at the moment is really struggling, um, you know, to find his scoring form, things can go 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 wrong um, fairly quickly. But, you know, I, I see where Matt's coming from in the sense that it's hard, you know, to for them to imagine him bouncing back next season. However, you know, I think, again, you, don't, don't forget, you know, the efforts of the last two and three seasons must have taken an awful lot out of them. And I think this, I think they'll be glad to see the season end and to regroup and maybe mm. sign a couple of players and kick off again towards the end of August. Um, but as it happens, I just think, again, I, I think they have got a, a performance in them. I think it'll lift them going to Old Trafford. And I think they might they might sneak the win that, that City will need, assuming, of course, that City beat Palace yeah. on Saturday. Never assume in any result against Royal at any level. Never assume at any level. Never assume anything because I, 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 I'm, you know, speaking of fan clubs, I think Roy does a super job at Crystal Palace. And I don't know if he's saying goodbye it, it, at the end of the season, but yes. there you go. And tell who we say hello to. Well, uh, exactly. I tell you, whoever we will say hello Frank, to immediately inherits a job, thinking blimey, you know, you know, fourth and bottom will do. And Roy Hodgson always delivers that, and then some. So anyway, um, uh, rant over uh, <laughs> about Crystal Palace. I'm going to finish. It's it's 25 years That's since well. Kevin Keegan's infamous. I will love it. I will absolutely love it. Rant about the title race and Newcastle's meltdown. Fergie's war of words. So come on, guys. I'm going to go around the room. Uh, who wants to go first? I'm sure you don't want to follow. I want to go with Philip basically. Yeah, you guys. I'm trying to think about your favourite, your best ever managerial rant, and hopefully it might even be with you in the room. So come on. Well, mine is. Room. The one thing I know it's this is Fergie, which is not exactly original, but we were in America. It was 2011. We're in Washington on a pre-season tour, and a good friend of ours is sadly no longer with the Bobcast. Written this story about he spoke to Fergie because he was pally with Fergie. He had his number, you know, he would speak to him, and um, it's when United were trying to sign Wesley Schneider, and. Um, he spoke to Fergie and basically Fergie made it clear that Schneider was being a greedy um, and wanted huge money and Cassie went away, filed this story to his online desk and they took the words into a direct quote and put quoted Fergie in the story. And anyway, some mischievous journalist had spotted it before I went into the press conference after the game put it on Fergie and he went ballistic and just said, who wrote the story? Somebody said, Bob Cass. So he stormed out of the room. Meanwhile, unbeknown to Cassie, he stood next to me and David McDonald, a colleague of ours, in the tunnel at the Washington Redskins Stadium waiting for the players to come out. Fergie came around the corner like Lewis Hamilton in search of Bob, picked him out charged towards him with a face that can only be described as puce. It was about 100 degrees in this stadium. It was absolutely boiling. And I was stood next to Cassie, and he just tore into Cassie with the 
horrific rant of expletives and just basically said, our friendship is finished after that stuff you wrote. And it was spittle coming out of Fergie's mouth and it was landing on my shoulder and stuff. It was like proper, proper air dryer, which is ironic because Bob didn't have much air. But um, And Cassie, um, well, Fergie said to him, delete my number from your phone because you will never need it again. And then stormed off. Poor Cassie was still outside the stadium trying to get a taxi to take us back to the hotel. Seriously, he had, he had sweat coming down. He's like a cartoon character. And sweat literally pouring down his face. And he was, it looked like he'd been hit by a bus. And it was, it, 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 it ruined his trip. Yeah. It took did, a long time, make, actually. Did, well, I was going to say, did he, make, did, he, did he kiss and make up? They did eventually, thankfully, yes. before, before he died. But he, it, for, for a few years, Fergie wrote him off. He didn't speak to him. And it was brutal. I, it was an absolute brutal takedown, that. And there was, um, I, I, I think, I, I, I wasn't there for that, but I think there was footage, wasn't there? I think, or I don't know, it was just sent to us footage, but I remember seeing footage of it. Yeah. There was camera, a lot of cameras, foreign cameras, American cameras down there in that tunnel, and I'm sure it was um, it was captured on film, yeah. Yeah. It, it, Matt, it, it come was, on. It was scary. I'll, I'll, I'll save you from following Andy. So no, 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 no. has to do that, surely. Um, Chess, were you there for the Battle of Valley Parade? Um, wasn't a manager, it was a chairman. Jeffrey Richmond. Jeffrey Richmond, were you there that day? Oh, on the pitch with yeah. us. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you must have been behind me because it was Ian Edwards and myself at the front. Um, Simon Mullock was in there. Um, hey. Jez was there. Yeah, About Ian Parks, probably. In the centre circle at Valley Parade after Bradford City, having just stayed up on the final day of the season, had, um, had decided that to, to move on to the next level, they'd signed Benito Carboni. Um, for vast sums of for vast wages, forty grand a week, forty grand a week yeah. when the previous cap had been at ten grand, um, and uh, and Jeffrey Richmond for his unveiling, the, the chairman had decided to invite Bradford City fans to come along to the press conference and stand in the background, opened up the bar. Um, and then sat us in front, uh, and we were trying to go about our business as lambs to the slaughter, uh, asking questions like, "What on earth have you just done? You know, you aren't you worried about destroying team morale by signing this player out of kilter?" Blah blah blah. All a little bit negative, not not quite what Jeffrey imagined when he pulled off what he thought of as a coup. Um, and then it came out for photos afterwards, and we were all invited out to the Valley Pitch Parade, uh, Valley Parade Pitch. Um, for photos, uh, and then after that, then then still seething from the way the press conference had gone, Jeffrey Richmond marched towards six of us just <laughs> hanging around um, with about fifty fans behind him, uh, and came across. I, I was at, I was in the vanguard. Jeremy was around there again, like I say, and he was sticking his fingers into our chests, saying, "You begrudge us." You hate the fact that we're going to do something now. You hate the fact that Bradford City stayed up last season. You, you know, we're trying to move things on and you're trying to belittle us. Uh, and all, to be fair, Ian Edwards, who was working for the Mirror at the time in that, that area, just said, let's see where we are in four years' time, Jeffrey. Four years, well, I'll see where we are in two years' time. And the truth was, on the backside of, of two administrations and in League Two, um, <laughs> And he subsequently apologised and admitted it was part of his six weeks of madness. But but it was the, the presence of the fans behind. I think I think they should make all press conferences fan 
fan events in you know, after lockdown because uh, <laughs> they threatened to fight all six of us in one go. Oh, but dear, yeah, but he dear. was he was yeah he was ready for us. The sleeves rolled up, ready for it. But uh, but yeah, that was probably the most dramatic. Probably the most the, the most nervous was when Mick Harford, um, legendary hard man from the eighties, once rang me up to tell me that he knew where I lived. But but that was a more quietly spoken one rather than a proper rant. But uh, but still yeah. just as effective. Andy, you know you mentioned about that number about uh, what, what 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 Jeremy mentioned here about don't use the number again. Of course, one manager that was his speciality ringing up journalists saying, "Oh, I'm just seeing how you are, just to check you've got my number." Yes, I've got your number, but I will never ever use it uh, to say but listen we can't I mean rants that I was there for I mean I think I've been there's been quite a few but listen we, to, to anyone listening who hasn't heard the Graham Taylor rant um, to Rob Shepard I mean in the press conference I mean, just, I mean it just beats them all doesn't it I mean it absolutely beats them all you know put a smile on your face Rob you know blah 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 and I just think that will go down as I mean, unbeatable. I mean, it's an impossible job to actually beat that run from Gray and Taylor. And, of course, it was, you know, I wouldn't say unlike him, like, you know, dear Graham, um, but it was it, it was typical of what, what how managers react under pressure, isn't it? You know, under pressure, you'll just never... I mean, the Joe Kinnear must be up there oh, as well. That's a belter as well. That is a belter. That must be, that, that, that must be, that must be right up there. So, um, yeah, but I haven't really got any more um, sort of in-depth ones other than that. I mean, just, just so many from Fergie, obviously. Mm. So many from Fergie. I remember, I mean, Fergie used to I can't remember what it was. He was running to get a couple of us out. But obviously, it's this time... You know, this time of year when we all pick our football of the year, and 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 ever since then, every rant included him saying, "What the, you know, beeping, beeping, beeping? Do you know you lot beeping pick David beeping Janola as beeping footballer of the beeping year?" And then he would have this great pause, thing, his theatrical pause, and then go for one good beeping game against beeping Barnsley. <laughs> of course, he did have a good game against Barnsley that that, that season. And Fergie's the best. He, he could rant on paper. I mean, he could rant in writing, Fergie. You know, I remember doing a, doing a piece about um, the Battle of Stamford Bridge after the game, and and Fergie wrote to, to ban me, you know, and he loved writing. He was obviously dictating a letter to his secretary. And it starts off, dear, dear Andrew, blah, 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 and it would just descend from, you know, sort of formal politeness to start with just into, into abuse. And I sent him one back saying, listen, you know, if you're upset by my opinions, that's what I'm paid to do. I'm sure you wouldn't retract yours if they were honestly held. I regret if it's caused you any, you know, um, offence, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Being banned and, by Fergie was a badge of honour, though, wasn't it, Dunham? You had not doing your job properly. He wrote back basically just saying, dear Andrew, you, you know, um, call that a... F an apology, you know, yours and Alex. Well, he wasn't there then at the time. <laughs> and, and, you know, and his rants, which is obviously, you know, you're all idiots. And, and and obviously another catchphrase is, was away and write your rubbish. Only yeah. uh, it, it, more succinct. And, um, yeah, so, so I listen, the, 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 there's so many, but I would advise anyone who's not seen the Graham Taylor rant. Uh, it's on YouTube, uh, I think. It's on YouTube, and, and to watch it again, and and also, you know, we can reminisce about some some great old friends. You know, some of whom are sadly no longer with us. There in that press conference, I would have loved to have been there for that. I tell you, I would have loved it if I was there. <laughs> yeah. for that. We don't, we don't get rants on Zoom, do we? We don't get rants. We don't really get rants. Do we? No. Like, I, 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 I,
Mm. You know, Jose apart. I mean, I mean, Klopp's got rant potential in him, hasn't he? Really? Well, I mean, he, went, he went on a rant, didn't he, after Leeds? He went on, on, on a the, rant. On the, on the kind of on the he did. Papers, didn't he? Yes, you know, he, he, real he did. rant, didn't he? He, ra- he ranted on that, and then um, which was a shame. It's almost a shame that it doesn't go out broadcast that one because that yes, you know, that would have been a, that that would have been an infamous one. Yeah, and he, I don't he, mind that. To be fair, if he's got a point to say, I'd rather yeah, rather managers say it honestly. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. say it. Don't bogle it up. Yeah, and obviously Jose had a good ranting, didn't he? I mean, the one, the one at United, Jesse. You must were you there for that? For yeah, some respect. respect. Yeah, that's not a bad one, that. Yeah, I've won nineteen, whatever more than yeah, yeah, the rest of them put together. But the, it, it, I suppose we all we all compare all these these rants to first. Benitez factor rant was a good rant. Yeah, yeah, that was. was that yeah, actually, yeah. We all compare yeah. these rants to Fergie and Yeah, he was. Yeah. I like this. I like the Steve McLaren one after the oh the, the Steve McLaren one when yeah. when it, it, England played th- Andorra uh, Andorra and then basically core yeah. oh, with giving him some stick and basically England I think had drawn in Israel wouldn't they and then basically yeah. really struggled to beat Andorra a few days later um, you know it it just wasn't working for Steve we were nil nil at half time weren't we didn't nil nil at half time. I think basically he called, he called Israel one of the best teams in Europe. One of the best. It was England's <laughs> performance was one of the best in Europe that weekend. And then basically been absolutely pillaged. And I have to say, I was <laughs> I was a bit of a front row Johnny at that stage, asking the sort of kind of the you know questions. And for whatever reason, I don't think we particularly saw eye to eye. And then basically took two questions after the Andorra thing and then basically just, one of which was for me, and then basically got up and then basically just had an, had another bit of a rant, didn't he? And then basically whenever there's a stick clip of Steve McLaren replayed on Sky, you can see a picture of me at the front. It's not looking not looking great, laughing as Steve McLaren exits stage right. I mean, it's uh. just, it is, you know, it's not, not a great look. And then I think he boarded the bus. And then basically really? suggest, suggested to the driver that he should try and run over one of the journalists who was leaving the stadium. <laughs> hey, which one was that? Really? Oh, Ryan Walner. <laughs> no. Oh, right. <laughs> Late, great, Brian. But um, yeah, it wasn't working uh, out, Steve, and obviously it didn't didn't work. I, we've, I have to say we've uh, we've buried the hatchet since. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, good. I, I miss that. I miss those days, really, because I don't mind it. I think it's quite You love good. a rant, don't you, Crossy? Well, I that's love, it. I love a rant, and I tell you what I do love. I love a rant, and I love a row, which yeah. doesn't appear two minutes later on blooming Twitter. Well, and exactly. I think that's a shame. That's but, a shame, because I think you should have a, be able to have a good yeah. old ding-dong yeah. with someone, lay your cards on the table, on. get everything off your chest, and then basically, yeah. you know, on. move on. Yeah, I yeah. love a good round. Yeah. Don't live that way anymore, though, do No. And I think and, 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 what, a, what a sorry state of affairs. And, and, Lamp- and, Lampard, even, you know, towards the end of the Lampard reign, yeah. you know, had a, go at, uh, had a go at someone. Why does that then need to be on social media? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's but, such a shame. Plus, I mean, it goes back, John, you, you know, you mentioned it, and, and you mentioned Woolley, for example, and, and it was him and a, a lot of, a lot of you know, um, the reporters, which they should do. Yeah, if you're going to see, if you're going to write something about them, and, you know, you front them up in yeah. the press conference, and, and, and Woolley, for example, would always make a point of being front row, centre of front row, yeah. you know, to, to uh, I mean, basically, um, to, and I think the managers like that as well, and I think that's why, I don't know about you guys, but you know some managers I've spoken to. I mean, are quite, believe it or not, looking forward to getting back to when the conferences 
aren't on Zoom anymore, you know. Yeah, Gareth Southgate is, isn't he? Gareth Southgate, he really is. I think he's looking forward to his, uh, having a... Can't imagine Gareth having much of a rank, can you? No, no, I can't. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, he was in front of the firing squad, wasn't he, after the Gomez-Sterling round? Do you remember that one? Yes. That got, yeah. that got as feisty as it, as it did. Um, and then, you know, I must say, I always think, of, you know, there was <laughs> Matt Law, you know, from the Telegraph, where he recently raised a good one, sort of calling out a few sort of journalists on Twitter, and I actually agree with him, really. Basically, so many people absolutely slaughtering Jose Mourinho uh, yeah. in, in the in the months of this year, and then basically I have to say that actually you know do it to his face. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying you know call him out over yeah. this and stuff, but come on, the next press conference, ask a question along those lines. Yeah. You know, put those points to him, and they don't, and that's more shame them. And I, you know, it's so easy to go on social media and do that. And I just think if you've got a point, if you've got a gripe, front it up. You know, don't don't grandstand, but front up. Anyway, I I, I I digress and I'm ranting now myself, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I love those rants and I miss them. But of course, just get them on very, too. very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Keegan's rant was aimed at, not a journalist, but at Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex, you know, yeah. so, so we'll have to maybe next time think of when managers have ranted at other managers. And just very yes. quickly, of course, it wasn't a rant, but Kenny when Kenny said, you know, when he was holding his... His young daughter uh, and, and and suggested she spoke, spoke more sense than Fergie. That was one of the great sort of mini sort of rants um, going. And I think I think that's what what was interesting about this is that you very rarely see one manager absolutely calling out another manager. No, no. Yeah, although yeah. although Marino Wenger obviously is a. Yeah, v- Wenger yeah. and Fergie was a good one, wasn't it? I was yeah, Wenger and Fergie. V- Veng- Wenger, I was there for the Fergie time. Keeps Wenger, Wenger up these, basically, everyone thinks they've got the prettiest wife at home, which, yes. you know, I, I, I know for a fact was basically that was the moment that tipped it, bosh, you know, and lit the blue <laughs> touch, babe, and their relationship was never the same again, although they're friends now. Anyway, guys, it's been so, it, it, it's been so interesting, so such good fun. And, um, mm. yeah. A lot of perception talk, a lot of journalist chat, and I hope everyone found it really interesting. So I certainly did. It was great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for everyone listening and watching. Thanks, Dave.